Hi, I'm Michaela, a psychotherapist. Hi, I'm Savannah, not a psychotherapist. And this is our podcast, Hippie and a Realist. Real life conversations about life and happiness. <laughs> we need to talk about what we're going to talk about though first. Oh yeah, we should do that. Okay. So, um... so one of the things that I wanted to tell you is I had a great session with a client today. I don't usually like to talk about like to that extent, but it was a new client and I made some recommendations that are pretty standard for me. Like there's certain tools that I recommend to pretty much everybody that comes in to see me so much. So in fact, that I've actually thought about getting like an Amazon, I have a therapy wish list that is public, but I've actually thought about getting like an Amazon shop. You know how they have those. So I could just say, go to this shop, like make it really easy to get certain tools certain things I always recommend. And one of them is Louise Hayes' Positive Affirmations Color Book. So on one page, it's like a mandala, like a color thing. And mandala is Sanskrit for circle. So it's supposedly meditative, like to color in circular form. It's supposed to be like calming and whatever. And then the other page is like, you are beautiful. And you color that in. Each one is like, each page is like this. There's a mandala and an affirmation. You gave me this as a gift. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I have this only because you gave it to me a gift. And it's a beautiful gift because, again, some of the sayings are really uh, generic. Like, you're beautiful or be kind to yourself. Right. Or love yourself. But the, um, yeah, it's a really awesome tool. But you can color. And as you're coloring on one side, you can see the, the affirmation, affirmation on the other. Great. Exactly. It was a great gift. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So, so you can see like how much I believe in this particular tool. And, um, I also do it. I also color this book. <laughs> like I bought two of them and done them twice. Cause you can color differently, you know, and, uh, coloring in general, I think is a really good way to just kind of get back to your like toddler, like, you know, youthful vibrance and stuff. But anyway, and I said, in general, Louise Hay is a very inspirational person. She's since passed away, but she has the Hay House Foundation, which continues on her legacy and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I got a text message a few hours later from the client, and it was a great first session. And she was like, oh, I'm glad we're not diving into my past. I'm glad we're going forward with a positive focus. And I'm like, we'll definitely dive into your past as we're going through the process of moving forward. Like, it's part of the healing but I like to take like a positive forward focused approach. That's my style. And, um, so I get a text message from her that says, I'd like to cancel my next appointment, checked out Louise. Hey, and I'm more conservative than that, which, you know, I know everyone doesn't have to like me or like my style and I'm totally fine with that. And actually I was, it's funny that this is even happening in the reverse way. Cause I was literally telling my hairstylist this morning, that I've been really selective with the clients that I'm taking lately. And it's for good reason. I'm only seeing like eight to 10, really like eight clients a week. And I really want to work with people who have already done kind of some of the, some of that dirty initial work and are, are really looking for change. So I don't want to work with the teenagers anymore that don't want to be there unless the teenager wants to be there. And then that's different. You know what I mean? So I'm looking for couples, women, whatever that are ready. And so I was just telling my hairstylist this this morning. So then to get like quote unquote fired by somebody after a first session, I mean, it's not the first time personalities, whatever, but I thought about that. And I was like, 
I know so many people who are various different religious, you know, like Christian, Buddhist, whatever, who love Louise Hay. And I never associated like a religious style to her. And then I thought, well, why did my mind automatically go that conservative meant religious? That does not necessarily mean that. Those are not congruent per se. But then I was like, well, why am I so upset about this? I never said, but I guess just because I promoted Louise Hay, who I'm not backing down on this. I love Louise Hay. I really, I mean, I don't agree with absolutely everything she's ever put out, but for the most part, I think the woman's got it figured out. I mean, she cured herself of breast cancer completely using like holistic, organic, positive approaches to life. There's something to that. Like, you know what I mean? She was like dying and then she went on to live 40 more years after that. And that's when she started Hay House. So I just, I really went like, wow, where did I go wrong there? Like, do you think that maybe it's just not a fit? And then maybe obviously she has, by saying, you know, she said, um, I'm glad you didn't dive in into, or divulge into my past, which means she knows she's been to therapy before, usually at some point. No, she hasn't been, but she, she has hasn't. stuff in her past that are painful relationships that we, okay. we touched on, but it was more about like, how do we shift who you are moving forward so that you're attracting the kind of person you want without trying to find the perfect relationship. Because I think what she was looking for is I don't want to have this kind of man who's hard on me, down on me, abuses me, beats me, verbally beats me up, whatever it is. And what my approach is, is more like, let's take a look at what you want in life. Let's take a look at, at what you want to attract to you in the way of a relationship. And I guess that word and that language in and of itself is kind of new agey, you know, the law of attraction or the secret or whatever. But the, but kind of where I'm going with it is any relationship you get into is going to have things. And so long as you're good with yourself and you're confident and you know how to set your boundaries, speak your truth with grace, you know, all of those things, the relationship piece of it will fall into place. Yes. And so I don't, we, we don't get that from a therapist relationship standpoint. If she's not ready or willing to be in that kind of position, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I think, I think she did want to, she brought like a, like a bunch of letters she'd written to herself from the past, like, it, you know, in the throes of the anger or frustration. And I do think she wanted more time there dwelling which kind of leads us to the topic we wanted for today of grief and loss. Grief and <laughs> well, somehow we just, we just did that. We did. We circled it around to how people cope with loss and, and loss is broad. Loss can be selling a house. Loss can be losing a car in a car wreck that you drove and your son home from the hospital in. It could be, obviously a relationship, a death. There are so many, it could be a job, it could, you know, that was your identity. It could be, loss is so broad. Yeah, well, I, and I think that's because loss is different, differently defined by the individual. That's Absolutely. Something that's a loss to me is, some people are going to be like, oh, that's a daily occurrence, or the level of how it affects you, I think has something to do with it. So I want to circle back on what you said 
before this podcast started, even though the audience does not know what I'm talking about, which was time change, right? Time change, the weather changing, all of that is a loss as well. It's literally a loss of an hour like in the most yep. fundamental sense. Like we were talking about how with the change of the season, there's a sense of loss. Like, oh, I don't get pool time anymore because it's going to be cold or I don't get to hike after work because it's going to be dark. You know, there's a sense of loss with every change. And like even in the fall, it's I, the literal loss of the leaves, like you know, the beautiful leaves that were shaving you are, you know, shading you all summer. And then of course there's the physical time change of, and, and that doesn't happen everywhere. I know some states don't even participate. California, we might not even be doing it here. Soon. So. Arizona doesn't, I don't think. I, yeah. I don't think they have daylight savings, but that's a loss. Like, oh, I just lost an hour of my day or whatever. And then when you gain an hour, you lost an hour of daylight in the morning. There's, so what's interesting to me is, um, and one of the things I shared with you is this has been a tremendously long winter and everybody's really been feeling the weight of it. It's always coming up in friendships and therapy and wherever's. But the bigger thing is the death that's been so prominent. Like, People who have had no symptoms are suddenly stage four cancers. People who um, were relatively healthy are suddenly very, very ill. Uh, or people who were kind of, you know, aging are in their last couple of days or whatever. And it's been such a loud message lately that there's just been a lot of loss, like a lot of death of different types, not even just humans, but death. And... One of the things that I think that I've seen is that, especially in America, we are terrible at dealing with loss. I think we don't embrace it as the beauty of what's coming next or the beauty of what has been. I don't think we celebrate like they celebrate loss in other countries I don't think we embrace the messages from our elders in their dying days. You know, I think we're so caught up in being sad for what we're losing. Well, a loss is a change. So every time, every time you lose something, change you're you're changing as is changing the way you think, changing the way you act, or they're changing the way things used to be, rather than just dealing with the fact that it's gone. I think if people shift a little bit more to looking at at, at things that are changing things rather than things that are losing. So yes, the time is changing. Um, my daily routine is now changed because I don't have something in my life rather than dwelling on it's gone, it's gone, it's gone. So just embracing the change that comes with it. In October, I was driving down the road, October, November, and I, and I said, oh, isn't this so sad? I'm like, look at all the leaves that are all over the road. And I was talking to Tucker. And Tucker goes, yeah, no. You know, Mommy, they all come back in the spring. And I was like, that is revolutionary. <laughs> they do come back in the spring. And they breathe new life into the world. And they take on a new appearance. And, and when you look at it like that, you know, it doesn't you have to phase. It's just, it's part of phasing. It's part of changing. If you look at, um, we talked about, um, the coloring books and being circles, right? 
So part of circling and phasing, before you start at the top, you have to work your way to the bottom and circle back to the top. Things come in phases and they go around and they come around and life is in a circle. And it's I, cyclical, yes. Yeah, if, and if your life is, um, you know, we start out as little babies not being able to care for ourselves naked, you know, naked and, and, and peeing on yourself, right? Or in a diaper, right? Your diaper. And then when you, generally when you leave this world, if you live a, a full circle, you're pretty much in diapers and coming back in the, into the way that you came, unbe- unable to take care of yourself in diapers. Exactly. It's, it's just you're going right back. And sometimes it's not always that way. It's, it's cut short in between. But that was your circle. Your circle wasn't ever meant to be a long circle. It was supposed to be a, a shorter circle. And just, be, and just because it wasn't a long one doesn't mean it wasn't a good one. So I think that what you just said is important. Like the time doesn't matter near as much as the quality of what you do with the time that you have. And I think that's what I've been trying to share with like some clients who are dealing with some late stage cancer, you know, relatives and things like that is they're here now. Now is not the time for grieving. Mm Mm-hmm. Now is the time for embracing. Now is the time to honor. And I heard the most incredible thing. And I actually have the book here, A New Earth, Eckhart Tolle. And he was on a podcast with Oprah Winfrey. And um, he said, he said, it's not about, um, it's not about what you do. It's about the people you touch. So your legacy lives on in those relationships that you've had, in those things that you've created, in those memories that you've made. And I thought that that was really powerful because um, I think we get so caught up in what we're losing that we don't embrace what we have, you know? Yeah, well, and, you, and with that, though, it can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. So it kind of puts you in check. Make sure you're living a, a good life because... If you're going through this circle and you're not making the most positive notes, you're going to also be remembered for that. Right. Which right. Is, is something, you know, um, you'd hate to spend, you know, hate to have a diagnosis. And the last part of it was not spent in the best way because it was so, it was dwelled on the negativeness of the diagnosis and the negative of the inevitable. Um and that's the last remember. That's the last mm-hmm. memory that stays. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you think of people that have passed on, maybe that lived a younger life. Do you remember them as an old person or do you remember them as a younger person? You, I you know, or when they sh- you ever been to like you know like a, a funeral and they show these pictures, they're not always showing the younger pictures. They're showing right, right. So remember what you do and what you don't do in in that if it's a positive thing people are going to remember it if you were if it's a negative thing people are also going to remember that too i do think with time though i think and i only say this because when i reflect back on painful times in my life i really have to strain to think about it i think the human mind does a spectacular job of shedding the view once we've had some time I think we remember less and less of the painful stuff, at least anyway. Like, um, I know, for example, my grandfather died when I was young. He died when I was six on my dad's side. And um, I know from my mom and dad 
that in the couple weeks prior to his death, and I don't recall, but my mom was pregnant with Robert, very pregnant. Matter of fact, Robert is named after him because he died uh, right before Robert was born. And I, I know he was in the hospital. He was suffering greatly with esophageal cancer. And, and I do vaguely remember that he had a little air tank thing. But when I think back on, on Papa Jocks, I think about sit, swinging on the Davenport with him and having ice cream and, I, and, and all these little memories that are happy. You know, I really have to strain to think about like that. And I'm sure it was painful for me because I was very, very, very close to both, both of them. They both passed. But, um, and I just, I think it's interesting how our mind doesn't grasp those, those memories. It lets them go to make room to save the happy ones. I think mm, that I happens. I I think of some losses in my life, and the first thing I can think of is like... Anger? I can think of anger. Wow. Um, I can recall their their negative traits. Wow. Yeah, I definitely can That's recall That's an interesting that difference. Account. Yeah, or in some of the things, some of the things connected in, in how they, they pass. Mm-hmm. You know, being of an older age... Um, I don't always have that. Sometimes I have some of the, like, uh, their, and maybe it's my personality, but some of their, like, major flaws or things that I just didn't agree with in their lifestyle stick out to me. So let me, let me fast forward to when my grandma jocks died, when my nanny jocks died, because I was 18 and, um, actually I was 17 and a half and I was the last person who saw her alive. So what, so what happened, she died many years after Papa Jocks, but um, I was going to American River College for like a math class over the summertime. And rather than commute all the way back up on the divide, I would stay at her house on the nights that I had school. And I remember every time, so my horn, this is hysterical, but I had this old piece of crap Dodge Aries, and and it would honk the horn when I wasn't honking the horn. Like it would just, we'd just be cruising down the road. It's all honk, honk. And, Maybe it was Papa Jock. And people would be like either waving happily or flipping me off thinking I'm honking out. I'm like, I'm sorry. Look, both hands. It's not me. I was like, you know, young kid driving my first car, which was such a, that's a whole hysterical story in and of itself. But anyway, and I remember like every time I'd leave in the morning the next day, um, the horn would honk and she would say, Bo should take a care of you which was like her <coughs> little phrase that she always said. And um, so that was the last thing she spoke to me, was Boja take good care of you. But um, she, so she, so she, uh, she, her and I had the night before, and I remember everything from the night before. And I don't know if I remember everything from the night before because everybody in the family was asking me, what was wrong with her? Was she said, you know, like I, I was so, so forced into remembering times. it. They wanted to know, but I remember we watched, um, who's a big Christian speaker on TV? Graham, something oh, Graham, Billy Graham, Billy Graham. We watched Billy Graham and she, it was weird. As I reflect now, I think she knew, I think she was ready. Like there was, um, but what, what happened, and this is what's so weird that I can recall this is I slept in the spare bedroom that night we had a great evening, and um, and uh, she, yeah, I was sleeping in the bed that my dad slept in when he was a kid. There were these two twin beds, and in the middle of the night, I knocked something over. It was this old; they had this old headboard thing that had like a shelf, and I knocked something over in the middle of the night. Didn't remember it when I woke up. Okay, so I leave. Boja, take good care of you. I head out, and I get a call a few 
um, hours later the next day. So she, she passed away that follow, that very night, the night of the day I left. And we got a call the next morning that she had passed. And we went to the house and I don't know what spurred my memory, but I remembered that I had knocked something over that night. So I went straight into the spare bedroom and I looked under the bed to find what it was that I'd knocked behind the headboard. And it was a picture of her and Papa in a heart frame. And I got this just warm, fuzzy feeling that like he had come for her, like he was coming for her. It was, it was really, so I vividly remember, but that's not negative. All of it was positive. positive. You know what I mean? I don't remember anything negative per se. I, yeah, I think it's funny the things that you do remember of seeing somebody, or especially when somebody does die, die tragic, tragically at a young age. Um, can we talk about, did you, what, you, can we talk about your brother? some signs of things before um and so dealing with that with my family uh, my brother died at kind of a, a a pivotal time in my life so I was just graduated high school he ended up passing away a couple of days before or right after I graduated high school um and as I was leaving for the military and my brother um was living in Southern California at the time so there was a lot of travel back and forth too with this mm-hmm. passing um and I just think Sometimes when you come, just like any kind of milestone that you come to in life, because death, it kind of, I look at it as a milestone. It happens. People die. It's, um, and within your own life and with your own circle, it's about how you respond to those or how you don't respond to those, Mm -hmm. um, those kind of milestones when you lose, you know, someone real close to you, a sibling, you know, we, we grew up together. He's my older brother. I looked forward up to him. We have different I mean, I could tell you, I could tell you stories out the, the yin-yang about my brother. Um, and, it, you know, look at, you know, the passing of your grandparents, the passing of your parents, you know, people that have suffered the loss of a child. These are kind of milestone things that you deal with in life. And they're dealt with differently because of the fact that I feel like if someone's passing away at 83 in their sleep or due to an illness or something like that, that's going to be different than if you're losing someone to at a young age at tragically age, yeah my brother was 27 so um but that that being said my brother had health conditions my brother was never supposed to live past infancy um he was born with spina bifida and so here you 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 say 27 is really young but when you're born with a not long life expectancy and you live to be 27 
you can't help but find goodness in that. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah. looking in, you know, my brother was in a wheelchair. He was born, since he was born with spina bifida, he was paralyzed from his waist down. And he didn't live the average life that you and I live, you know. Mm-hmm. I th- I definitely think about him time to time, especially like the times when I'm completing my marathon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My brother is a sports in- enthusiast. He would have loved it. He would have already told me who was going to be in first <laughs> and, and, you know, statistic-wise. But the idea that he never would have been, that wasn't really an option for him, mm-hmm. um, something that he could have participated in. So there's always like that kind of. So that's a loss too, right? That's something a loss that he too. loved that he couldn't have the use of his legs. There's yeah, so and many and different and types see, of loss. See, what the other part is, is you don't consider a loss because he never had it. Right. He never gained it. He never but some it. people do. Some and, people and do. And that's another, those were other things that I think. You know, we haven't really touched on, but the you know the five stages of grief. So that's what I hope so, we're circling back on the at the end. Five stages of grief, um, and we talked about time in those two. So I think the biggest thing with, and we'll talk about the five stages of grief, but the the time that each of those stages is different for everybody, mm-hmm. and it's different. Um, it's also not linear. People yes. people think I go from bargaining to you know it doesn't it doesn't go in order per se. Like we yeah. can bounce around between all these stages of grief. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to talk about the five stages of grief and then we can kind of throw it and roll it on top of my brother. Yeah. I mean, I definitely of... do want to talk about the five stages of, of grief and loss. And um, I also, I wanted to circle back on one more thing, which was a friend that I lost in, in, in high school. So I've had some of these like more tragic losses, but not recently, thankfully I've, you know, but, um, I had a friend who was coming down to see me in San Diego and I was living in San Diego. And this is the kind of guy who literally every time he visited, he jumped in, in, in my, he'd show up in the middle of the night, just jump in bed. <laughs> like it wasn't that kind of relationship. It was just like the, sure, <laughs> absolutely was not. Um, but you know, he was just a goofy life character. Yeah. And I think that, um, and kind of everyone he met, he, he had that kind of goofy life about him but he he was actually um supposed to be coming down to visit me and I was actually waiting on him to come down and visit me and he never showed up and I'm like well that's just really not like him kind of a thing and um he was leaving a wedding and got hit by a car and died and so um and I remember emailing his email account like hey what's up like you never showed like what's going did you have other plans like what happened and his sister emailed me back and told me which was like really a shitty way to kind of find out that your friend died. Um, but of course I wouldn't have expected any different. I don't think anybody knew that he was coming to visit, you know? Um, and I struggled, I struggled with that loss for a long time. Um, and it just kind of, it kind of makes me think that, that, that there is a very real part to grief and loss that happens after the loss. And I think some of the keys to, um, to getting through it is to really embrace the what was and, and find hope in the future in moving forward and continuing or carrying on the legacy that was. Do you want to go through the five stages? Let's go through the five stages and then I want to talk about um, uh, an approach that I used from a therapist standpoint to grieve a great loss in my life and how it was helpful okay. for me. So five stages. First one is 
bargaining. No, it was in denial. Oh, denial. Sorry. Denial. <laughs> Not a therapist, right? <laughs> Hold on. Should we look him up on the phone? <laughs> Google. Siri. Five stages are great. Well, let's, see, let's, see what, let's see what Siri says. So we're going says. to Hold denial. On. Bargaining. Hold on. I want to ask Anger. Siri. Okay. Does she, is she responding to you? There's no service in here. Oh, yeah. You have no service. Is she going to say them out loud? What are the five stages of grief? Okay. <laughs> you have no service in here. All right. I'll, I'll quit cutting you off. Oh, my cellular data is went off. I'll cut you off. Go back. Okay. Okay. Denial. Why? Anger. Bargaining. Depression. Acceptance. Okay. And not necessarily in that order, but I don't think. Some people say it's linear. I disagree it's linear. Yeah. So bargaining. In other words, I think we can be angry and then get depressed and then and there's a fine line between the differences in those two but then go back into bargaining if only i'd or whatever i think we bounce between them i think we can do that yeah um and they're very real and they apply to not just death all kinds of all kinds of so i went to after my first divorce i met with a therapist i was just having a hard time getting my just your mojo back my back uh, and my mom was real concerned and so I went to a therapist and I didn't I looked at more I came with I how do I not have this type of relationship anymore how do I avoid these relationships which is exactly what happened to me today this morning okay and so what came back to me was she said sounds like you need to mourn the loss of your relationship and I went um, okay, that's not really what I was thinking you were going to say. And so what she had me do, and I did it on my own, was I drew a picture. And I know you do a lot of art therapy, and we've done some of this in some of our workshop groups, so mm -hmm. this always reminds me of it too. And she said, I want you to paint or draw um, your life before you got divorced or before you felt the change, where, where you felt happy. Okay. And I want you to draw that. And what okay. it, what's it look like to you? And I just drew things that kind of represented myself. I drew a house because I had bought a house at 21. Uh -huh. And I had kind of done some of the things that, you know, I would put some things uh, job-wise mm -hmm. where I had been happy. And, and she said, and once you paint that picture of what you want it to look like, she says, I want you to roll it up. Hmm. And I want you to keep, keep it because it's still there. It still exists. All those things that you had they in your happened. past. They happened. They were real. Happened. I don't want you to tear it up and throw it away and forget about it that never happened. But I want you to hold up because this is a tangible thing of a non-tangible uh, feeling. feeling. Right. And I want you to mourn this. I want you to take these, this this dream and this goal and this life and this, that, this happiness that you had. And I want you to accept it. And I want you, eventually, which is where you get over it, and the grief is the last step, is acceptance. Um, I want you to mourn this. You mourn all of these changes that you had. Um, and if you feel angry or you feel sad, pull your picture out and think about it. And when you find yourself pulling a picture of a drawing and sitting here crying over a picture, she said, it might actually help you. A little bit. And, and she didn't divulge us. Eventually, this kind of was what came to me later was, um, 
I, I would bring this picture out or I would envision the picture that I had drawn when I was feeling depressed or feeling sad that my life wasn't what it used to be. And I would kind of laugh and it was like almost silly to me because I was upset over a picture, you know, that I had drawn. <laughs> right. but, but in it all, and in, in the silliness of, of the pettiness, it helped me mourn that loss of that life. And, and because I was able to not just forget, you never forget those changes. You take mm-hmm. every little piece of that or maybe just a small piece of, of your loss with you and you remember and you can go on and you can go forward. Um, I thought it was a really, really helpful tool. And today, I mean, I this is like years down the road. I still have that, the, the, the image, the image of what I drew. Mm-hmm. And when I catch myself kind of going down that depressed or upset or mm-hmm. sad, um, which with time is less and less and less, um, it has been a really, really helpful tool. So I think if you did ever have, and this would be something, an exercise that anybody could do, um, if it's the loss of a, a marriage, if it's the loss of a pet, if it's the loss of a job, or just the loss of I our youth, you know, I can look sometimes look at a picture mm. of myself and go, what happened? You know, like the, lo- yeah. the loss of even your, your own self. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But knowing that in that picture of yourself, you're still that person. And those things still exist. You still had that experience. That ball that you have with your dog that you Mm -hmm. may run across, even though you've thought everything has been, Mm -hmm. you know, gone. That ball still exists. It doesn't happen. Uh, It still happened. All your memories, they still mean something. So the loss and grief is not always, you know. Not to make, not not to mention, it makes room for change or something Mm -hmm. new that couldn't have existed without the end or the loss. And I think... It's hard to conceptualize that. Like if you lose a pet, I like to say you've just made room in your home to welcome a new pet who needs a home. You know, and that's that's a little different than losing the ability to use your legs or something like that. But what world does it open you up to that you wouldn't have otherwise had? Just like the leaves falling off the tree, you know, it made room for the spring to blossom. Well, and I think also, to, but to validate your loss, what it really means to you. If you never had children and your dog was your only child, that's that is that is an extreme. That is a right. that is a loss. That's, right. And it may not be the same to somebody else, but validate your loss. It's okay if if you can't go to work over something that may seem something that's that's not you know it, you, it seems trivial to someone else, but it's but it's everything to you. Yeah. Validate that yeah, to you. And, absolutely. And gr- well, and some people, like even my mother-in-law, you know, she she grieved the loss of her children going away to college or growing up and moving out of the house or selling her home. And, you know, those kinds of, because of all the memories that were there with them. And that's a very real thing. It, it's a very real thing. I recently had a very tragic loss with the chickens. And um, I went through, zipped through five stages fast, like especially anger. I mean, I was livid. And um, I, I think I'm still not at acceptance. And I find myself looking at rebound chickens, <laughs> you know, um, which sounds absolutely crazy. But I, I miss having them clucking around the yard. I miss a Saturday activity of cleaning chicken shit, which sounds hysterical. Like who signs up for that? Oh who gosh. really wants that? But I do. And I, and I, 
I recognize that, um, that this is a very real process, but I'm also embracing the idea that um, I've learned a lot from this experience and that is huge. And I've also gained a lot in the way of um, having them around. If I'd never had them and didn't have to experience this loss, I would have lost a lot more. Is, is Lucy, what's the chick? Tilda. Tilda. No, but or what's, Rudy B. What's, Which the, what's the chicken you gave to, to my mom? Oh, uh, Lacey. Lacey. Yes, she was a golden laced Wyandotte. Della calls her Lucky, or she calls her. Della has a nickname for her. So, so the backstory, so the listeners know, is that um, this is was really hard for me because the puppy that we got actually killed. He got into the chicken coop. Um, I had stopped free ranging them a while before because he was showing these tendencies and was having a really hard time just managing this. I met, I took him to. Gold Hill Canine, who did really amazing things with him. But at the end of the day, the pull of those chickens was more than I could, especially if I wasn't home. So I he got into the coop, and um, he killed two of them. And one of them was left alive, which was my favorite chicken. And I had to do something that I've not had to do before, which, you know, in the past, if we had a near-death chicken, Matt took care of it. And he wasn't going to be home. And there was, even if he rushed home right then, it would have been too long. I needed to. And so I did what I was told to do, but I did not do it well. And it was a really horrific experience for me. And I felt so much anger to, to the dog. And, and um, after all this bloodshed and everything was kind of done, there was one chicken left in the coop. She somehow escaped and got in there. And I gave that chicken to your mom because I could not emotionally handle anything else and I knew that we were getting snow in a couple days and and they need each other's feathers to stay warm and I was worried that she was gonna have you know she was lonely Uh, I mean just in those couple hours and your mom graciously accepted her which I was so thankful for Della calls her Lucy Lucy Lacey yeah she's she's a gold laced one Lucy and we were laying in bed random looking at pictures of we were defining between a rooster and a hen and she goes that one is, looks like my Lucy mom. Oh. And I said, I need to tell Kayla what, oh. that Lucy is, her, you know, it, it's, it's her bird. Oh. So in this, like, of loss that you had, you know, some other people, I'm going to say, your loss is other people's gains. But it's... Um, but that's just a beautiful example. A beautiful example. Uh, it's a beautiful people. example of how that legacy lives on or... Then there's seeds for something new have sprung. And she said, because my Auntie Kayla gave that to my mom. (laughs) And my Auntie Kayla calls me Coco Moon. (laughs) That is so precious. That makes me so happy to hear. I'm so happy that she's having that experience. I think for me, our first chickens that we had that um, were also killed by a dog, but that was before before we had Walter or anything like that. Um, They would ride on Tucker's tricycle. And it was such a neat experience for him. And people people often ask me, well, how do you eat chicken and have chickens? Like, what's wrong with you? You know, kind of a thing. Um, and I can hands down say I have raised meat birds. And they are a little Frankenstein. <laughs> like She calls them her Frankenstein chicken. They are just very different. They're very different. And I'm not saying, obviously, we prefer to be pescatarian. Everybody knows that. We mostly eat fish. But um, my husband's very much a meat eater. And um, there was a long time where I was actually straight vegetarian and one piece of bacon turned me <laughs> believe it or not I was vegetarian for eight years so um one thing that I wholeheartedly embrace is that um I've actually 
I've I've done the process. I've I've killed the fish. I've killed the clam. I've killed the chicken. I've never killed a cow, and I really kind of feel like that would probably put me back into vegetarianism. Um, and I've never killed a pig. And pig a pigs, I think, would be the same thing for me if I saw that because because they do, I think, have tremendous similarities. So, but we're going down a rabbit hole again. But long story short is that I feel like I've experienced what it's like to actually have the food on your plate in that way. And so I can have Which is part of the circle of life. It is. It is. And so I wanted to talk about animals in that sense and not just pets. But, you know, um, death is a part of everyday life. It is. And if you're driving through the drive-thru because it's, you just went to the movies and with your family and in and out sounds amazing. And if you're not in California, you need to be in California because <laughs> if you don't know about in and out Burger. But you, but you don't second think twice. We just watched a family movie. We're going to go through in and out Burger. Let's get our fries, our burgers, mm-hmm. and our shake. Mm-hmm. Go out and wave. You don't even blink an eye or think of the circle of life of loss that came right. into that burger. Right. You know. Um, or even the potato. It, even the potato. Or even the tomato. There's a whole circle there. I mean, we're in the middle of it right now with getting ready to plant this spring garden. It's so it it is, um, you know, it's a circle. It's the circle of life, which I'm staring behind you is this blue circle. Oh, is it the stained glass? The stained That's glass that I've been staring at it the whole time, <laughs> but it's giving me that. There's actually have a lot of circles in here. Um, and not to get Disney, but it is. You know, I, I think... It's a circle of life. It is. The, mm-hmm. um, it, it's hard, it's and it's raw, and it's real, but it's a gift, and it's a rite of passage, and is a part of our human experience. And the, the, the fact that we have cognitive awareness is what sets us apart, I think, from some animal species, not all. But some people even argue that plants, <laughs> plants are people too, <laughs> that they have, you know, some awareness of the process as well. I don't know. I'm, I think trees do. I mean, there are people opinion. that definitely do think trees do. Um, we won't get into too much into that, but I just uh, want every, you know, anybody that's dealing with a loss and if it's regardless of what you define your loss, it is part of your circle of your life and how you're going to deal with this or not deal with it. So, I mean, even on the most surface level, like losing this client today, like, you know what I mean? I, I went right to right to bargaining. I skipped a bunch of stuff. Like, um, fortunately, financially, I don't need to stress about the loss there, you know, so I'm not like in. But it's it's funny how every little loss is an opportunity for those five stages of grieving. And sometimes we zip through them and sometimes they draw, draw out. And I think it's finding like with this, with this client, it would be, you know, her final text message to me was, um, thank you for the tools you shared today. There were some really insightful things. And so I get to, I get to take that. I get to take that. Yeah. I, I touched her life for a minute, but maybe that minute is that one little shift to change her footing like I had a, I had this experience when I was interning and I don't know if I've told you this story before, but my supervisor, I said, how do you deal with the fact that you never know, you never know sometimes what is, um, what's going to happen? Like, how do you know that, how do you deal with the fact that you don't know the end game? You know what I mean? You don't, you don't always know, like, did they make it? Did they come out on the other side? Are they happier? What happened? 
And um, she said, it doesn't matter what ended up happening. You just know that you touched them for a little piece of time. That if I bump you, if you're walking in a straight line and I just slowly give you a little teeny tiny nudge, just one little teeny tiny nudge, and you just take one half a foot step to the left, the place you would end up is dramatically different from the path you were on. And that is a whole purpose. You walk with them for just a brief time, but you change their entire trajectory. And so that's a powerful thing. If you think about every opportunity, every Every time we touch someone, there's an opportunity for a legacy there. Think about people that you knew for a very short while and you still think of things they told you or they say. I could tell you the last thing that she was wearing the last time I saw her. So yes, we have those um, people that will always stay with us um, even if they came in briefly in the lessons that they taught you. So. so what do we want to close with? What do we want our... Let's restate the five stages of grief. Okay. Which are denial, bargaining, anger, depression, acceptance. We've all heard those before. And if you haven't heard them, they're, they're new. Take your time in each phase. Or, or allow yourself the space to be where you are. To meet yourself where you're at. And remember that it's, um, it is a circle of life. And within that circle of life... Uh, what you're experiencing may not be exactly the same as anybody's because nobody's two stories are going to be the same. But at some degree, there is someone or someone that has also experienced that too. Um, and that time and distance definitely free the mind from the painful pieces. So, so if you do have a window to enjoy the last of something, honor it. And, and embrace the experience that was and find the hope in what came from that experience that you had and what, what you now walk with that you didn't have before. Okay. Cool. This was kind of a dark episode. It was a little, a little heavy. But it's, but it's, I feel like it, the, I believe the message is loud. And when the message is loud, I feel like we need to talk about it and be, and, and be authentic and real with what's really going on. Yeah, it's a region Lima Charlie. Hey, thanks for coming in this week. Um, again, it's a little bit heavy stuff, but thanks for being with us. And if it spoke to you and you feel so inspired, leave us a comment or reach out. Reach out to us and we'll give you some help, point you in the right direction. Mm. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. Da, 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 da. <laughs> For more inspiration, check out our links. Whoa, it's that. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.